fucking hand <laughs> away from your fucking mouth I got you. and be a professional. I got you. What the fuck was... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I thought this was Tawana mother... What's your last name? Pettis. Tawana motherfucking Pettis. T.P. Ripley. There you go. Came in like a limp dick at a fucking nursing <laughs> home. Really? Wow. What's this? Hello, hello, hello. This is Beer Berman in the movie. Yeah. I'm Tawana. I need you up there. Come on. I mean, on. I'm going to be. You know? Bring it. Bring like if it. You wanna, if you wanted to piss me off, <laughs> and you come in like low energy jab. We're good. <laughs> Don't worry. I'm high energy. <laughs> Because nah, usually so loud as fuck. Then it's like, I know, and then you come in, <laughs> hand over your mouth, <laughs> like Jeb Bush on a I, fucking debate. I maybe I didn't know. I, wow. I was feeling positive about that. If you well, want off this to... podcast, could you let us know now? What? Could you let us know now? Because I've been begging him to do this for the longest. Could you let Excuse us... me, it was my idea in the first place. It was my idea. No, nope, it was YouTube, my idea. And it blended into right. a podcast. Whatever, right. let's right, go. All right, all right. I think, I think, let's I th- go. All right, I think we got you fired up now. There we go. Don't shout into the mic. Oh, but just, <laughs> yeah, no more Jeb bushing it. Okay. Please. Ready? Yeah. One, two, one, two. Welcome back, film fans. This is Beer Bourbon in a Movie. I'm Tawana. And I'm Vaughn. And we're two filmmaking cinephiles dedicated to the art of film, the taste of a good beverage, and everything in between. We're glad you're back, people. So grab a seat, film fans, beer drinkers, and bourbon lovers alike. This is episode eight. This is going to be a fun episode. This week, we're going to talk about... uh, War of the Planet of the Apes and uh, Dunkirk. Great movies. Sit back and relax and enjoy the fun. So, Juana, what are we drinking today? Uh, Well, since we're doing Dunkirk, in honor of the British of Dunkirk, I'm drinking... uh, the cream of Manchester, Boddington's Pub Ale. This is a beautiful golden ale, spun of honey with a really dense cream and foam. Nice. <laughs> great head on that, huh? Great head. It's beautiful, actually. It goes really great with uh, grilled meats. I only say this as I had today a great grilled pastrami sandwich with deli mustard, salt and vinegar chips. So yummy for the for the lads, as they say. Excellent choice. Vaughn, what are you having? Well, I'm doing. You know, it's kind of hard when you're talking about bourbon in in World War One. America got got into that kind of late into the game. But what I'm doing today, in celebration of 1914 when World War One started, I'm gonna have. A sidecar, but I'm doing a blend with nice. a bourbon instead of brandy. A side, just for you drinkers out there. Sidecars are usually brandy, lemon juice, a little simple syrup, and orange liqueur. So I'm doing a bourbon version of that with uh, the same thing. So you got bourbon, uh, lime juice, and a little orange liqueur. Great drink, makes you feel good, and it kind of celebrates those soldiers that gave their lives for all of our freedoms absolutely, today. Absolutely, absolutely. So we're doing, we're starting it off with War for the Planet of the Apes. Yes. Directed by Matt Reeves, 
Um, the DP, of course, Greg Frazier. I'm adding that in now because I think they're important. Got to celebrate those guys. And that's who I am. It's my brethren. Um, Matt Reeves, we know him. He did Dawn of the Planet Apes. He okay. did Let Me In, which is the American version of um, Let the Right One In. Yes, amazing film. Great, beautiful film. We need now to I do that it. one day. Now I get it. Absolutely. Okay. Um, he also did Cloverfield. I know you're not a fan. But uh, <laughs> no, I like I'm a fan. I like Cloverfield. Craig Frazier. Fantastic cinematographer. Did uh, Lion, Rogue One. Okay. Um, Foxcatcher. So anyway, let's start it off. You know, this is the third installment of the series. And after the apes have suffered these unimaginable losses, Caesar, who's, you know, in charge of the apes, Caesar wrestles with his darker instincts in this and sort of begins his own mythic quest to avenge his kind. It gets very emotional. I Don't cried like a baby at the end. I felt so like I went in like, yay! The audience, the audience for the night that I saw it actually <laughs> applauded, and they were like, "Oh my God, Caesar! Oh my God, Caesar!" Yeah. No spoilers here, but I just want to tell you this film. Yeah, they really did something special here. I think yeah. that you know when you think of Planet of the Apes, you know everybody has this thing either whether it's going to be more like the television shows from yeah. the '70s. Or is it going to be like all this reboot? Yeah. And, but I think they did a wonderful arc of the character of Caesar yes, they in, did. in this piece because they brought it full circle. We saw this this character from a, a small little chimp yeah. to where he was as the leader of his, his, his people. people, basically. And it, just a powerful, powerful film. I think that people... People sleep on this, and People they just think that it's just all oh, one of those summer, summer blockbuster things. No, but it's deeper. Than this that. film was very special. It, it, it talked a lot about family. Mm-hmm. It talked about a lot about community. Yes. It was about this this love for your people yes. and the struggle of the people. And there's there's a lot of parodies in this film between like Moses setting the slaves yeah. free back in the day and oh, slavery, slavery in America. Slavery. There was just so yeah. much. There were so many elements here, and yeah. and and how you had because you even had the overseer in this movie. Yeah, there was an overseer, and there and always is. There always and it's just, <laughs> there, there was there is. was something to be said about that, and then the, the human. The human spirit it takes on yeah. it, this this whole character in this movie Definitely. and about what you do. I think Woody Harrelson delivered that very well. Yeah, you know, he did. Because he did. He did he's a good that job. he's that actor. You know that you, you he can do a lot of different things and and he has that ability to be that tough guy to be yeah. that villain. But at the end of the day, when you strip all that away, yeah. he was just a father who lost a son and and right. trying to deal with. What that turned him into? Yeah, and I think I think these sort of like post-apocalyptic yeah. stories all take on these, and we've done a few that right. they all take on these these sort of like these stances with like my race over yours or right. my people over yours or who's gonna survive more than the other. Right. And and I thought I did thought they did a really good job in this one. I think you know it starts off slower and. But it's still filled with all this human emotion, which I thought was really, it was really interesting. I guess I didn't expect it. I thought I was going to get what I got in the others. You thought you were going to see more battles, more fights between more the, battles, the humans more fights, and the fights. But this was definitely, like, it took me into a little a little bit of a deep core. And I think it makes it feel a little bit more relatable. Right, because it was it was about the, the, the apes represented, in reality, they represented humanity. You know what I mean? And, and the fact that they were the ones who you who we cheered for. 
Definitely. You know, we weren't cheering for the soldiers in in this piece. They were the villains, the bad guys, and in 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 the fact that they were trying to hold on to what they were what they knew right. as the world that they knew where they were the dominant force Absolutely. over the creatures where it, this this script just totally changed that. Yeah. So we saw it from the perspective of the apes. Yeah, it's just it was it was really good. I thought um no spoilers. It felt like an ending, but I hear that there's a part four. Well, there's this this hmm. part of the reboot is supposedly over. Right. But it definitely opened the door. Well, it opened the door for a lot for of things because else. I, I they 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 actually left a lot of seeds in this one for what could be more. Mm-hmm. Like Caesar's youngest son is named Cornelius. Um, there were a lot of right, like, which little, is a throwback. From which the, is a throwback. From the 70s there were a lot films. of throwbacks from the seventies. Yeah. Um, that was the most the most noticeable, um, but it was it was it, the story was really good. I thought the storytelling was really good, and I guess he just coming from this great human standpoint. It's just like this big race against humans and apes, and let's see who will really recover. Right, and it just um, and the animals taking over. And yeah, I really and the animals want taking cats and dogs to kill them in their sleep. Oh, stop but that's it. just me. You just hate animals. I just but, don't know, understand I just why you have to have them film, in your home. And <laughs> you're a mess. It was, it was a good film, and I enjoyed it just not as much as the others initially, and I think it took me a little bit of time to, like, let it settle into me because it wasn't what I was expecting. Now, I actually would see it again. It was actually it was pretty good. I thought that the acting was amazing. Andy Serkis. Andy Serkis is a fucking is beast. Brilliant. He needs every award that you can offer And him. a lot of people don't want to give it to him because they think it's, it's it's his work unfair. is imbalanced. When you, show, when you show an actor with nothing behind them but a green screen, and he delivers so much fucking emotion in this yeah, film. Yeah, they really do. They were, all of these actors, all these actors were in, that were in right. eighth form did their damn thing. There yeah. was no... Half assing these scenes. No, there not was at so all. much emotion. There was so much heart. There was so much love. Yeah, there was so much compassion. Because yes, though the apes were the ones in the film that delivered the heart. Then the of apes the movie. were totally not. You heart didn't of the get movie. any of that from these fucking soldiers. They were just they tried, drones of the military. They also tried to throw in that little girl, and I was like, right, eh, well, it wasn't you know what? But she girl. was I just there. It. She was just there because she was actually she had a an throwback. intricate part too. She was a throwback to the the seventies film. But it, it's just it, there's something about. I mean, there was it. a reasoning for her to be in and there, and she but. had she had a heart too because she saw that these humans had value. These humans, these, I'm sorry, the apes these had apes. values. They had right. lives mm. that were important. They well, she nurtured didn't her. Speak in the film, she, was she didn't mute, have to. I be. guess Maybe and I will give her. her she was supposed to be mute. No, she was mute because she had the same virus that the humans were having. Right. That was that was the cause of the whole that thing. Was, yeah, that she was, was her purpose. She was a victim of that, but she represented the human that saw the humanity in the apes. Yes, I agree. Because they they could have just killed her off, which is what I would have done. They could have just killed but her they, off when they, they found like her. That. They weren't those type of apes. They were people who saw the good in in them, just like the Native Americans saw the good in the white man coming, and just like the Africans saw the good in the white man coming. I don't coming. know if Africans are but good in white men. No, going. they saw it. They mm. saw it. They saw mm. it too. They wanted to help, and here you see it again. This is this is allegory and and a lot of <laughs> metaphor in this film. And I think that it was just it was a nice break from your superhero films of the summer and all the other kind of blockbuster Transformers bullshits. You saw a different kind of summer film. Yeah, I, was was gonna, I wanted to ask you guys about yeah. her. Um, 
how you felt that she fit fit into the film because uh, I mean I didn't see it but like it sort of was, it reminded me in the trailer at least that she was either going to be a vehicle to help sort of push the the fact that the apes um, have humanity right, right? and that um, like you were saying that they can still sort of see that right. you know this is still a child yes we're not you know to use the pun we're not animals right we're not animals right, right. right. we have humanity. Um, or it's she's or she's kind of a vehicle, and it reminded me of like the the little girl in Aliens, like in Ripley yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, shepherding yeah. that 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 girl along. Where you see this uh, for Ripley, it was saying like even in this like fucked up time, yeah. in this fucked up moment, I'm you know she's still she's still a mother, she still has tenderness, yes, you know almost a bit like how Wonder Woman had touches of that, right, despite right, everything, right. she's still kind of like cares for people and is and is a sweet person. Right, right, right. Did, was she a setup for something, some twist at the end, or was she a she vehicle for... She is a setup for, for a twist at okay. the end. Okay. And, and you know she, what? She, her purpose is more than what, what Vaughn is saying, but right. we can't reveal it, we'll spoil it. But sure. her purpose does get revealed completely at, towards the end, mm-hmm. but I think she also served as the humanitarian yeah. part of it. And, and I think that in, in what she does in the film, because she moves us, mm-hmm. she moves us through the escape sequences and she moves us yes she does she is an intricate the part of the film at the end and, in a lot and, of ways and once again another great actress a young actress she, young, she yes. did all of that without having a word of dialogue right mm. yeah there was very little dialogue in this did other too. apes try to um, kill her or want to no. Like, kick her no. out no. no no the way this was set up she wasn't around the majority of the apes until right. the end um, she was. She, uh, and she was there from. She no, was there she in wasn't. the middle. Though. She was found. And she then was there in the middle. Though. She was found at the beginning. They separate. Okay. The the herd of apes separates from the rest. And at the beginning, mm. they um, they go about their path because, you know, uh, Caesar's sort of on this trip. Yeah. Um, and of course, being good soldiers, they weren't going to leave him alone. So a few of his ragtags follow. And that's when they come across the girl. And then the girl is with them solely for the majority of the movie until I say the last 25% of it. Hmm. Because the last 25% of it is when the big war scenes happen right, right, right. and all the big action happens. Right. And, um, and, and that's pretty much where she comes in. Even like whole Woody Harrelson's whole like... Um, his thing, you know, he reminded me of Colonel Kurtz of Apocalypse mm, Now. Mm-hmm. The yeah. head shaving yeah, and yes, the mild yeah. temperament. There was a lot of homage to that. There was a lot of homage mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. the Apocalypse You saw now, flags and you saw all these things, that, all the tropes of soldiers in the Soldiers did, um, st- marching. Um, marching in cadence. Yeah. And then yeah. they would do the, the, the salutes. Because mm-hmm. they had, they had we, it turns out that there's a whole other hidden story once everything, everything sort of culminates at the, at the, at the end, at this grand post hmm. that everyone's sort of trying to get to, and there's all these secrets that get revealed once they get there, and because in the, in this world, yeah, does it does that group of soldiers like are they literally the last Mm-mm. humans on Earth, or are no. they just one pocket of like, one the pocket. West Coast? They're, they're one, pocket. one pocket of yeah. the last. In one pocket of the last the planet. So then, are they trying to wipe out like the? Because the, that's those are the apes, though. Like no, there aren't any I, other apes. Well, there are more apes. There are more apes. We find out there are more apes, which okay. is probably what leads us into four. Yeah, right. And I think Cornelius's story is going to be grand. There is another ape named Lake, mm-hmm. um, that was the lover of Cornelius of of Caesar's other son, his older son. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think 
ultimately we find out so much more about the soldiers as well. And, you know, without giving it away, there was an agenda set upon um, that no one is aware of. Mm-hmm. And so Caesar because, and them because fall of the apart. Twist, because of the twist in the virus. Yeah. Right. Because of, there's, there's a, it's all Woody Harrelson's story at the end. Okay. Yeah. And we find out more about them. And we find out more about what they're planning to do. What's their mission? Why are they doing the things that they do? Um, but primarily, it's it's seventy five percent of it is Caesar's story. Yeah, and uh, Andy, it's it's really please, brilliantly please, done. Please give Andy some kind of award. Well, he was nominated last, for, and I think because he, he was in uh, Lord of the Rings and the whole that, that series. He was Gollum in Lord yes. of the Rings, and he's just he was an Gullum. amazing, amazing actor. He did so much with his eyes and his voice. That well, as he always they need does. to study him in a class. Did well, you? He's very expressive. Did you see him reading um, Trump tweets as Gollum? Yes, no. I did. Uh, he did it on uh, I looked that up. Colbert show. Oh, Colbert, yeah, it was amazing. He, and and, so and that's good. the thing. But he brought so much life. He brought so much heart. He brought humanity. He brought hope to that role that you just would not have expected to see. Right. And I, I want people to see this because I want people to know that in in us and it's kind of like a a reflection of life. When shit goes bad for you, there's always potential for you to do good right. and for you to find hope and potential in in your future. He saw that even when everything was going wrong and even when he had major losses in his life, he never turned his back on the hope for the future. He always saw the potential for the are you, good. Are you referring to Caesar? Caesar. I'm well, talking see, about Caesar. Caesar initially, when when hardships happened to him, as a, initially he was on a dead set path to take care of what right, he needed to take care of. It was about revenge. It was all about revenge. revenge. Right. But then he, he needed to learn that revenge needed to be bigger than just him. Mm-hmm. It needed to be for the good of his pride and not mm-hmm. just because he needed to resolve his anger by assassinating But someone. the beauty the mm-hmm. beauty of, of Caesar was that he knew that if I'm going to have revenge, this revenge is going to be about me and my revenge. He wasn't going to take everybody down right, with him. Right, right. He wanted his people to still succeed. Yeah, but ultimately... In his, his, without his past. But pretty, ultimately, cool. it was... It was that's why he's such a good allegory for, a, for right. leadership. Right? Yes, right. he is. He's hard to fuck with. He's right. hard to fuck with. But ultimately, he understood that he had to make choices. Right. And some of his choices that he was making were, were, were selfishly, selfishly but, driven... And that he ne- in in doing so he was leaving things open, and then right. he understood. But that's that. the difference between his kind of leadership and Woody Harrelson's character. Woody Harrelson's character, who was the the the, the military leader, yeah. he would have destroyed all his people, yeah, in order to he, achieve his goal. Yes, you know what I mean. He sacrificed family members and whoever else he had. He to would sacrifice, sacrifice anyone in order to mm. achieve his to goal. To achieve his With goal. With Caesar, his goal was and his allies. This is my revenge. Everything. And yeah. I'm gonna, right? It's I'm gonna shit. achieve it my by myself. He didn't yeah. want his other but, allies, the allies, to come with him. Right? He chose to do this. He by didn't himself. want them to, but ultimately, because he, he would have to make a decision. Right? Do I take my revenge because I have to, and because it's the opportunity presents itself, mm. or do I go help my my people? Do I help my family? So is it is it is the is the acting and the plot 
kind of complex enough where even though it seems obvious that you have sympathy for the apes yes. and you kind of want to, and, and Caesar is clearly the more uh, kind of benevolent leader. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously we're, do, you, do we find ourselves rooting just for the apes all the time or is there an element think, of like, we're team people, I, I want to back f- the people? No, like, no, like no. Woody There's Harrelson's never tongue. an element of team people. If, it, <laughs> if you like, have an element of team humans. people, you have a fucking problem. Yeah. Right. And, and you know the thing is, easy, there was a scene where Caesar instead of killing the, the, the soldiers that they captured, mm-hmm. he sent them back. But he never was that person. But, but he could have been. Of, and, but in all of the films, in he all was of the never films, those he that, been. that guy. But he literally sent his the soldiers back. He would back. always send them back, And yeah. the thing about those soldiers... That's in the trailer, I think, is that yeah. moment, right? Right. Yeah. The yeah. soldiers the don't... They don't... Considering the fact that he saved their lives... He was, they weren't about saving Because him. they're all about the cult ship right. of, of Woody Harrelson. And the war, and, and being warmongers and whatever. But the, the, the beauty of it is that, you And know, you can see them battle back and forth in their mind. Yeah. In their soul about it. Here's the thing, though, is, is if we try to put it, if we try to, like, put some empathy in that situation, yes. right? Where it's like, humans have been massively wiped out. It's clear that the apes were the carriers of a virus that caused the um, extinction of humans or like an extinction event. Yes. Um, is it unreasonable for us to think that humans have to organize themselves in this kind of militaristic well, I, way and the extermination of the apes really is the only option? And see, I, I, think, I think it's so. the other way around. No. Is there a way I that we could have coexisted? But I think in reality, the virus was the one that was, the virus which was created by the humans. Right, because they it wanted was. to create in that canister. They wanted yeah. to create. That's how Caesar got They those wanted eyes. to make it possible for the humans, for the apes, to be able to speak and communicate, and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. The humans created the virus, and then the yeah. humans now carried the well, virus, the, not the apes. But the, not all humans the, they know They really that, didn't. Though, really, the issue was they didn't actually create a virus. No. What he was trying to create was the cure for Alzheimer's, because his dad yeah. had it. And hyperintelligence, he, like hyperintelligence. Repair, repair, repairing brain tissue. Repairing brain tissue. And in doing so, he was he was increasing brain tissue in those who didn't need repair yeah. and making them smarter, which is hence how Caesar was created. But somehow that caused... Sorry, guys, I got to pick another drink. I'm sorry. It's okay, by all yeah. means. This That's is all show. part of the podcast, It's all part bro. of the podcast. Never, the never first of all, never apologize for making a drink on this podcast. Ever I think apologize for you, making you, a drink. You know, you're going to have to apologize to the fans for apologizing for drinking. Because <laughs> exactly. this is a safe for space <laughs> for mixing bourbon on a Sunday. <laughs> yes, it this is. This is Saturday. <laughs> but like when people listen to this, yes. because they listen to it the second it comes out. Right. If I'm drinking, if I'm mixing bourbon at 11 a.m., I want to know that Vaughn and Someone Tawana, else is sharing with me. I'm yeah. not alone. Yeah. Well, I'm sharing with you guys, all right? He's, he's going in. I want, I want, <laughs> I want, there should be drinking games that come out of this where every uh, yes. time, every time... Every time Vaughn pours a drink, you gotta pour a drink. Every time Tawana maxes out the mic, yes. And every time you, every time you peak yes. the volume, yes. Um, Which is frequent. <laughs> it's frequent. And I'm I've doing cu- better though. For the record, I have audience, not actually I have moved. gotten a little sick of having to spend three hours cleaning up the spiky I'm audio. I'm sorry. What um, did I do? Um, no, it's, <laughs> sexy, it's sexy. It's good. <laughs> Thank you, Alex, for making it happen. Cheers. I think to you. I'm Alex. teasing. I'm teasing. I know you are. But I'm not really. That, that, <laughs> I that know. actually happens. It definitely actually happens. But that's fine. <laughs> I know. It happens right. quite frequently. So, but I've been doing why I feel like Vaughn is spiking drinking games. a little. Drinking games. I'm not <laughs> drinking at all today. Loud? I'm not, you have been super loud today. Dude, if I can just tell you. Super I have, loud. I have Tawana on the levels here. I've got Tawana up at an eight, and I've got you down at a six. Yeah, you've been loud. 
Okay, Very well, yeah. I'm just in the moment. Saucy Vaughn likes to spike the spike the mic. Saucy Vaughn. That's your new name. Saucy Vaughn. He's <laughs> Saucy Vaughn, three drinks deep. <laughs> three things deep. Paying, yeah. paying homage. So, yes. so I was looking anyway, up Andy Serkis' yeah. uh, awards. So he did, get, he did get some awards. He did get Screen Actors Guild awards. He got, which is important, Critics Awards, Critics' Choice, rather. Um, I guess this is a British award. BFCA Critics Choice, yes. mm-hmm. um, an Empire, mm-hmm. Empire Award. I'm assuming that's theirs as well. But yeah, so he did actually get some awards. He just didn't get an Oscar. And sometimes, you know what? Well, you know what the you thing don't need is, an Oscar. screw it. Because the whole thing is, every every actor you're knows. Making money, you're making more movies. Right. Every that's actor knows what an actor does, and, and that's does why that. he got the Screen Actors Guild yeah, because they acknowledged him for being. But I want people when Quite you see good. when you watch a movie, I don't want you just to go into it and say, "Oh, look at the apes." You need to actually realize that there are people behind that, and they're 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 doing work because you're not invested in it unless they're doing their jobs. And yeah. when I saw this movie, people were actually applauding and crying and very upset. Yeah, at, I was. At, at I was Caesar. like, what people the were very hell? moved by this film. Yeah. and for this to be this this really? summer blockbuster, really? I did so much emotion. It felt I like did Logan. Not, I did not expect this kind of reaction from the audience, but yeah. they literally were. They were so engaged in it. People yeah. were cheering. People yeah. were crying. People were laughing. And at the end, people yeah. applauded. Mm. And I was like, yeah, they okay. Applauded. I feel like they would have applauded and the Dunkirk, but it was only four of us in the Harlem movie theater. I was going to say to downtown, right. downtown Brooklyn that was sold out uh, three days ahead. No, <laughs> I we, was, fu- we was, fucked that up. It's all right. We'll go back. Come on, we'll go. We will go. We'll I, go. I do. Wanna, I have to see this in seventy I, I millimeter. I gotta see it in seventy millimeter. It's no way. That so now we're gonna we're gonna talk about Dunkirk. Well, then let's wrap this. Want, come let's on, wrap now. This let's up. round so, it out. Okay, let's round we'll round it out. So I'm gonna move your mic a little. I think considering all that we've said. I think don't go in here half-assed thinking you're gonna get some bombastic war movie. This is an emotional trip that felt good, human-like, and I definitely would see it again. And recommend that if you enjoyed any of the series, that you should really try it out and see what you think. I'm 100% behind this series. I'm 100% behind yes. all the actors that worked on this movie. I'm. I, I love Planet Apes as a kid. I used to watch it on television when it used yeah, to come on syndicated. But it was just it was just always fun for me, and I, I like to see those apocalyptic worlds where you you survive at your own wits. And I think this movie yeah. definitely delivered. We got a full arc of Caesar's character. Yes, and you rarely see that in a, in a trilogy films. So I, I'm I'm so thankful for that. But I, I want people to go out and see it, That's rent cool. it. Make it happen. Absolutely. I think these. It's, this was a, a great juxtaposition of films, considering it was like two films about what people do at war. Not just about just war porn, blowing people mm-hmm. up and shit. It was like different approaches. Just a different approach to to introducing people to the world of war, which is not a pretty sight. And, right. And, and yeah, we sit around, and especially in America... We walk around trying to be patriots, or those who are super patriots don't realize what's given in 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 return. Because there's always a sacrifice. In there's war. always a sacrifice, but the sacrifices in in this fictional and fi- fictitious and and fictional war, no, nonfiction. And fictional <laughs> Thank war, you. right? Real war and fictitious war so are, you, are are great. So is it kind of just to sort of round out the thought that is this thing of 
you know, war is terrible, war is yes. hell. Um, but on Caesar's side, you're seeing him still taking an effective approach to war because he yes. wants to win. He doesn't want to lose. Right. Um, but he's he's engaging in war only until it's absolutely necessary mm-hmm. to get to a to the end. Yes. Whereas the humans in this case, they're almost fighting. War. They're they're engaging in war because they like it because, because they want to be. They're, they're kind of. They have to win. And in their and, and in their war, it's all about alpha and omega. Yeah. So it's the it's beginning and the end. That was actually so. If if it's about to get beginning and the end, yeah. at the end of the day, the whole world could be destroyed as long as they win. Well, right. That was actually Woody Harrelson's like name for his team, right? It was yeah, like it, Alpha and Omega. It was Alpha, Alpha and, and Omega. Omega. We are the beginning and, was, and we're the end. And yeah. so, if you're the beginning and the end, at the end of it, was, everything could be destroyed. Everything scorched, could be scorched destroyed. Scorched earth. Right. Yeah, There's man. nothing left. So if that's the case, then what will we have? And and and, unfor- and luckily and thankfully, Cornelius, I'm sorry, not Cornelius. Uh, Caesar. Caesar saw it. Well, there's going to be something after this. There's going to be family. There's going to be community after this war. Yeah, that was yeah, his right. passion. And that's where the difference is. And he doesn't want to destroy his community right. or their humanity. And he doesn't want to destroy the, the world. Yeah, yeah. You know right, what I mean? Right, so it's right, right. like... There's a totally different perspective, totally different. and that's what was refreshing about this film. It's really cool. Absolutely. Well, now I'm I'm disappointed. I well, you can see still it this see week. It. I gotta see it. Now. I really want you to see it. See it. It's okay really because now we've it. reached a pass where this part is your segment. Uh, I'm so excited about this. <laughs> so excited about this. So um, you, you guys, we've been talking about Dunkirk for a while, and we're waiting to see it. And I, I'm Alex. Yeah, I mean, I'm so thankful. That you put it on our list for for seeing mm-hmm. yeah. film. because it it was one of those films that really just was a special moment for me. And you know we don't talk a lot about our generation. We don't talk a lot about World War One. Well, this is World War Two. Well, actually, this is this is World War One. This is World War Two. No, this is World War Two, dude. This is during this is World War. Because I know you were drinking. I thought we were World War One. No, no, dude, this is World War Two. This is when the Nazis. Pushed them it's back the to Dunkirk. Oh yes, the okay. RAF. The they didn't have Spitfires and ME 109s and no, bombers and whatever. So we were, we were soldiers, from British, France. But it talks drink. about it. It talks about it as World War One. No, never. No. Why is that? I don't know. I don't know where you got your wires crossed. Edit that out. Okay, we got you. <laughs> well, it's, your, your drink is based on it as well. <laughs> That's okay though. You're American. This is why we're doing this. It's an education piece. It's an education piece, Vaughn. Well, education is, is power, so I'm all about Absolutely. it. Because, um, no, it was, World War One was, uh, Wonder Woman was set in World War One. Yes, yes. that was 1914 the, to The confusion, here's the thing, is that the soldiers look quite similar, though. Like, yes. the, the right. British still wore the Tommy hats. Because this is 1940. Yes. This is 1939. Okay. Is okay. when this happens. This yes. is 1939. It was one of the first. It was It was really the, um, the British and French got pushed back to the beach. Um, they were basically defeated right. and it was the you know like the commander says at the beginning um, we just need to get you know why aren't they bringing the destroyers right. why aren't they bringing them and they said because they're saving them for the war to come the battle yeah. the battle of Britain essentially which followed this which yeah. followed this which the battle of Britain this. so yeah. Um, yeah so that's that's the setup well that's the, the tragedy the tragedy of that is that so many people lost their lives for nothing basically because if you're just waiting, yes, they they were just literally sitting on that beach waiting, yeah. for ships to come and take them home. Yes, but and they literally it was almost like, and they kept making references in the film to, they could almost see home. They yes. could see home. They could, you know what I mean? You know, they were so close it. to it 
that they could almost see it. They saw but it. That's the tragedy of this piece. Well, the, yeah. Brit, because, the Brits, anyone could see Exactly, the Brits, anyway. So, but the, that's the tragedy of the piece. And they were, they were all young people. They were, they were just trying to make a difference in the world. And that's the difference between mankind back then and how we are today. I don't know if the same people would make that same choices. So, but I, I like that they were, they were willing to sacrifice everything. Even the, the guy who wasn't in the military, Tommy, was his name? Yes. He, for Tommy just to be a member of this local village... To want to do make a difference, no, make a George, change. George, the one who died. The yeah, one George, who, the, the young, one, the young guy. Yeah. George was the young guy. George, the fact that he just wanted to make a difference. He knew, he knew his life didn't have any other impact, any high goals, but he wanted to be a part of this mm. in any form. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. Well, so there's something special about that. So basically, so I mean, if. There's lots of ways we can tackle this breakdown. Yeah, there's lots of ways that we can tackle the breakdown. So, okay, so basically, so we'll start, like, if if you aren't sure of what we're talking about, Dunkirk is filmed by Christopher Nolan. It's about the Allied soldiers from Belgium, um, the British Empire, and France. And they're surrounded by the German army and are evacuated. The the first days of World War II. Right, first days of World War II. Totally unprepared for the German advance. Totally unprepared. Over 400,000, they said in the film? 400,000, yeah. 400,000 just stranded on the beach. That's French and British soldiers. French and British soldiers just stranded on a beach waiting to be uh, saved. And ultimately, they were saved. In the film, he presents it in a three-part piece, right? Mm -hmm. He does air, Mm -hmm. he does sea, and he does land. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which was done brilliantly um, mm-hmm. in three different ways. And he sort of starts it off how he shows you he shows you each journey and its beginning, and then each one has a bit of a, a plot twist, and then we sort of rewind it. Mm-hmm. And then you see, oh, well, this one got dropped off in the water. Okay, now what happened when he got to the water? But we come back to it at another time. Mm. And it, it was really interesting, done, interestingly done to me. I, I read that um, the film is divided in these three segmented colors, sky blue, dark blue, and orange, in yeah, reference to the triptych plot of air, sea, and land. I get that. Which is really cool. I get that. And, and it had a push look mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Describe the push look. Okay, so what happens now? Because it was shot with film was a shot with film. And what happens in film, in which they don't teach anymore, because um, everything's digitized, what we learned when we were in film school was we were the last class of the film students that use film, celluloid. So you'd have to actually dare go... I, dare I ask what year that was? <laughs> no, let's not ask. <laughs> it was a while ago. Yeah. It was like 10 years. The new it was school. a while ago. It was, it was a while ago. Shout out to the new school. Shout, Shout out to the new school. But it was it yeah. really wasn't that long ago. But Picking it was up the longer. old school at the new Let's school. Say Technology moves things fast. Mm-hmm. Technology moves things fast. It was to, what, to 2000? 2010. 2010. Yes. Well, we graduated 2010, so somewhere in between there. We graduated from our... cool. They were actually, teaching film still We then. graduated from our graduate degrees in 2010. She was actually I was actually an undergrad there as so well. So she's really talking about like 2008, 2007. 2008, 2007. Mm-hmm. And they, were, they still had older. us... They, I'm older than you? Well, older in film knowledge. In, in film knowledge, yeah. I was going to say slow down. But no. So actually, they actually had us... Um, Editing on flatbeds still. 
I didn't even know what that is. A flatbed is a giant flat apparatus that you take, and I know you've probably seen these in films, where you take two reels and you put them together and you watch it on wow. that little screen. Okay. And then you make a little cut yeah. and you splice it together and you keep, we were doing that. Wow. We were actually That's doing awesome. that. And then what you would have to do is when you'd buy your film, you'd shoot your film. Of course, you shoot them in these giant mags, change the film in the bag. Then after you were done with that, you would... Edit it on the flatbed, and you take the sound separately, which you're separ separately from your film, and take it to a sound lab, and the sound lab would put it together. And they'd actually be Foley artists there as well. So they'd do, do sounds that they had in their base, mm -hmm. you know, in their database, and then they'd make up stuff. Like, when I was there, they made up a sound for me because I liked the way something ended in their system, and I liked the sound that it made. Mm -hmm. So they took it out and created that sound for my piece. And Foley That's is awesome. when you add these additional sounds, Fo like people walking, right. Foley artists sneezing, are people that create street sounds, sounds and, and all right. those elements that are added right. to a film to give it texture right. and, and life. And they create it out of nearly nothing. Yes. It's like it's like foil. It's like a footsteps on, right. on, on cardboard or just outside sounds like they it's literally cool. like, like the sound of me placing this bottle of bourbon on the table yeah it's like that it's like okay so for instance in the film the ticking yeah there was a ticking watch yeah, at constant, one point constant to build which tension, added to the yeah. to the suspense right it was actually christopher nolan's watch and hans zimmer thought it was important to have that in there and it really was because it worked very well mm. but anyway so what what you do after that is when you get your film then you um I'm sorry, before you take it to the sound lab, you're supposed to get it processed. When you get it processed, you take it to a, to a film lab to get it processed. When you get it processed, you have to understand what you want your film to look like. So if you want it sort of washed out or postcard, like as Vaughn's describing um, Dunkirk to look, what, what you have to say is like you want it pushed. So it has sort of like a washy, it would be like looking through a bottle of bourbon. Mm. You know, it has that brownish washy, but if, if colors come behind that, then they are too affected by this this brownish wash, mm -hmm. and so that's exactly what the film looked like. Kind of like a patina. Patina. So it would be called you know pushing, mm -hmm. and so then after that, after you get your film back, what you would do is um, they'd play it for you, and um, if they had any issues while processing your film, they'd actually call you and say, listen. I think this color should be more of a manila envelope, but it looks to me like you got a piece of oak. What do you want? I'll change it. Mm. Like it, it's really that that really specific and that defined. And nowadays we have 4K where you can literally take out a little card and put it in a machine and color correct it right there. Yeah. Um, with the director, uh, before the editor even sees it, mm -hmm. and then and then there's not really an issue. But I think that's lost because you know. You well, that's part of the art. That's part of the art. Making. I think you need to understand what but your I, film is. I, what like I loved right. about this film, I love. I was caught up in the blues of the film mm -hmm. yeah. because there were so many. There were yeah. so many blues in the film, and it made you yeah. feel like you you set apart. Because I felt like I was watching like a documentary film. I felt yes, like I was moment. in this moment of because there was very little dialogue in this film, but I was watching these people's journey unfold. In World War II, and I have to apologize to all my soldiers who fought in World War II. <laughs> oh, and thank you, okay. Alex, for correcting me because that's important. It is because important because we all need to know our history and we all need to acknowledge it. But um, I think that 
there was something to, to seeing these people's journey and these people's yes. experience because they were all young soldiers just trying to do their part yes. in the war to save their world. And, yes. you know, it, and we, we hear these tropes all day long in America and we, we hear it, it's just beaten in the head about this patriotism. But yes. they were they were doing the same things during yes. this time mm-hmm. and they were just trying to survive. They were just doing their best. And even when they didn't know what to do, because they were very young, you had very young soldiers, very inexperienced, and they were just yes. trying to do whatever they could. And they were in a situation where they were literally sitting sitting targets in this film. Yes. And I think yeah. that Nolan presented that in a way that you saw their their point of views without being distracted by you know this backstory. We didn't we didn't have these characters. We didn't even know their names. No. We and and he used a lot of newcomer actors to portray these parts in such a beautiful way in such a simple way yes. we didn't get we didn't get distracted with a lot of exposition no. and a lot of storytelling mm-hmm. from giving the audience a lot of Absolutely. well this happened because of this and this happened because of that and we have the French we have the British we didn't have any of that we just stepped right into the action yes this is men on the beach right waiting in long lines to be picked to off. To be picked up yes. and picked off. Picked right. up and picked, picked off. Picked off by picked falling. Up and picked and off. it's just this constant ticking. This yep. constant, constant ticking. ticking. This constant ticking. This constant guys making it onto Absolutely. boats and then getting blown up and then getting onto other boats and right. then getting torpedoed and then right. getting onto other boats and then dying and then being right. burned alive in oil slicks. Right. You know, it's well, just, it was, it was so helpless. There was this helplessness, this desperation, this desperation and then yeah. this like the stoicism with the way that everyone was dealing with things yes. and this matter of fact. This matter of factness about what your fate was, right. and how it was just, and they captured that so brilliant. You weren't pulled out. You weren't sent back to like a mother in England desperately waiting for her son to come home. Yeah, they didn't give you any of that. They didn't give you any of that. They didn't give you any of that. I'm so glad for yeah. that because we were literally in the moments in time, and even when, even when we moved around in time, we were right. still mm. in our same feeling because you, you could sit on the edge of your seat in the theater. And like, oh my God, what's gonna happen next? Yeah. And I saw yeah. several interviews with the cast who talked about how Nolan put them in the situation. Absolutely. And he did not like they they he sat them on beaches and he sat them in boats and there was things going off around them, like bombs mm. and shooting them, and they were in the element of the time. And so they felt that same energy and that same vibe. And so right. they their performances were driven by that. And yeah. I think that's what makes him a master of what a he does. A complete master of what he does. I mean, I think, you know, he's a complete he is a complete filmmaker. Not only just because of his continuing continually continuing, excuse me, advocacy over film over digital world, you know, I, he he creates the craft in in this magical way that where it's just like from what I was saying about the pocket watch. Right. Um to like, to everything. The violins were so strong in this film. But it was added, not war porn. But it was not war porn. I didn't see it, that. No, it, the violins added a, added a sense of suspense. You know, um, you know. To, it was there because it, it was it, it necessary. Was, it there because it was necessary, and it not added. With, yeah. No, it added to your this, to this your era of suspense. Yeah. It was just like. Two two men, those two guys, just racing to save what seemed initially like to save, you know, a wounded um, soldier, a, a wooden, yeah. a fellow wounded soldier, turned out to be ulterior motives. But it, it you felt it with the with the violins. Mm-hmm. They also had the ticking watch. They had the horns. Yeah. They had all of that, and it all added to a sense 
of immersion mm -hmm. to keep you like in because you, you know, felt that you felt like you were on the beach you, felt, you felt the like water on the lens everything about there it. was driplets of water on the lens yeah there were Specks of sand on the lens, which is really fucking dangerous. Don't do that. But he is a master, so <laughs> he, he can he can do that with his giant uh, budget. But you know, I wonder when, how many how many cameras and lenses I, they must have lost or become how, useless. How about become scratch? Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Like how I mean, much got damaged? On, right, but depending on what they were using, like I mean, mm. if they had some sort of like that sort of ND filter on the top, but no, they're using film, so no. Yeah. That wouldn't have been, they would have gels or mm -hmm. some sort of some, some sort of shielding. But still, I can't imagine- They were in it though, they were really in that's it. That's what I'm saying, you know? I can't imagine not, I can't imagine sand not getting in the gate. Well, it had to. It had to. Yeah. Clearing the gate was was. It had to. Had to be a constant Explain thing. Explain to the audience what the gate is. Okay, so the gate is, is when you use film, um, that little square box. So, you know, film looks like it's like these little gates yeah. going down on this strip of celluloid. Mm -hmm. So that's what happens inside the camera. There's this little square box. And when the shutter gets opened, that would be the gate. So what you would do back in the day is the focus pullers, which are sort of like the assistants, yeah. they would take a, a Q-tip and open the shutter and like clean that out. So like, you know when you've seen old films and you had like a piece of hair in it? Yeah. That's because no one cleaned the gate. Yeah. So, you know, now digitally you fix that and you or you add it. Right. Yeah. Right? Effect. For effect. But really that's what it was and I'm sure there was a lot of that there. Well, you know, I think that I think that Christopher Nolan gave us this this whole element because he wanted us to be caught up in the story of this moment in, in these in these men dealing in Dunkirk. Yeah. We didn't because we didn't we didn't have to fall back on the known actors because yes. we got a lot of no name actors in this film that played the young soldiers outside of uh, uh, Kenneth Branagh and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. But I think all Harry these Styles. no name actors yeah, because Harry Styles. Harry Styles did an amazing job. He's but I want good. him to he do more acting. <laughs> I want him to do more acting. Fuck the singing. I'm glad you got your album. <laughs> Fuck all of that. He is One Direction. Fuck One Direction. Fuck all of that. Enjoy your beer, girl. Whoa. There's a lot of head on that beer. This beer, because it has a nitro cap, by the she way, all you Boddington fans. She spilled. Take it slow. I can't take it slow. Once it's open, it's up. I all loved right. him in this film because he wasn't distracting. He was not he distracting fit in at all. Perfectly. He, he, fit was, in perfectly. he was an actor in this film. He was just, yeah, he was an actor. He wasn't Harry Styles right. pretending to be a soldier. No, he, he, he just looked like one of the guys there, yes, which I wasn't was. expecting. And, and I said this when we were in our little pre-podcast chat, but... Uh, a good example of that being dog shit is uh, in Game of Thrones last week with Ed Sheeran <laughs> as one of the Lannister soldiers. That I mean, I'm I'm definitely in the camp. Fuck that move. Fuck that move. Because uh, right. I, me and my flatmates, we were just sitting around watching that and just being like, really like, I mean, come on, like, fuck off. Like it pulled us out of the show. Right. But, Harry Styles though Never he almost did. didn't look like Harry Styles. No, he was a he was a there was nothing, looking dude. There was nothing about Harry Styles as the, as the pop star yeah. that he is that he because he 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 and he talks about this. He was so honored to be a part of this film. I'm sure he, he was. One, he wanted to pay tribute to the soldiers, but two, he wanted to be a part of Christopher Nolan's film and and represented in that way. And he did not want people to think of him as the pop star. And I, and I really want to um, I really want to press this point to you know the our american listeners which is nearly everybody how important 
this battle is in British culture. Yes, in, 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 in British history. It's this was like if this if this event didn't happen, mm-hmm. um, the Allies could have easily lost the war. Easily. This is how important this was because the entire British army deployed or the yeah bas- basically in enti- the British historically have never had a large land army. It's always right. been a navy, right? They've been a naval power. Mm-hmm. And so the British army's always been relatively small and that was about 300,000, 320,000, 30,000 um, you know, British soldiers. Right. And then there's about another 40 to 60, 40 to 70,000 French soldiers, right? So I think for the British actors in this film, um, and you could see that come through in the acting. It was not about their ego of being on screen. Everything right. about this was paying homage to the event. Every single Every event. moment of this was about the event. You were in the present. Right. Tom Hardy didn't even really know that it was... It, it wasn't obvious it was Tom Hardy. It was not, not Tom all. Hardy being Bane as a right. pilot. It wasn't Tom Hardy being Bronson. Right. It was, it was just Tom Hardy. The dialogue was so efficient. Yes. It was so minimal. Um, you know, I think if, if someone comes to watch this film and they come to watch this film to sort of see some like big action movie with lots of backstory and plot no, lines, no, this is not the movie for you. This is not the movie. If you want minimalist filmmaking that has an epic portraiture that just tells a very clean story, then this is what you're going to get. That tells a clean story that completely immerses you mm-hmm. because completely. I mean, you. What what I was just talking about in terms of the water, in terms of the sand, that's great. But they also had you in the crosshairs of Tom Hardy's. Uh, fighter, they had yes. you in the boats right. out in the sea. Water was filling the lens as the as the yeah. destroyers were yeah. sinking, and yeah. you were sinking. So essentially, you were in the water with oil. I mean, there were yeah. so many yeah. pieces in which in which you you were you could hear the the in terms of sound, the clinging uh. of the tin cups, uh. the sound of the sea, the footsteps on the ground. Even when it opens, which is totally brilliant, it opens with all those. All those uh, propaganda the flyers, flyers yeah. landing, falling right, down. falling to mm-hmm. the ground. You could hear the sound of paper blowing yeah. and crumpling in the wind. As mm-hmm. it, I mean, who does it? I mean, there's really, really, really. And that really... one scene with the soldier running down the alley of uh, the city street, right, which could have been anywhere. Of his feet, there was just so there was so much. It was to great. That. Just the sounds of rounds firing right. against the planes, and you hear those those popping sounds of the bullets, bang, the bang. chattering just, of people, and you just didn't everything. know. The scene was set in a way, because there are no heroes in this film. No. There are no there are no enemies in this film. It's just it's just man and the world basically. Yes. So it's war, like how do you man and war basically? Right, right, so right. it's how do you process that? And just to think, I'm a teenager. Yeah. Yeah, more than likely. And I'm trying to teenagers. navigate this world where they just plucked me from my life wherever I was in the world mm-hmm. and threw me into this situation. And this is a village where people live, raise their families, they died, they did all kinds of things. And all of a sudden, it's a war zone. Right. You know what I mean? So just imagine that. Imagine walking outside and where you live is a war zone. Yeah. And how you would manifest that and what that would turn into yeah. as a person trying to just to survive it. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know what I mean? And they and they just knew, well, this is my homeland. I got to protect it from the enemy, quote unquote. Right. Yeah. So what would that be? What would that turn into? Yeah, they, they never say Germans, by the way. No, they don't. They, they just call them German. the enemy, right? right. They I, just I, call I, them the enemy. It was interesting. But that, that's, the, that's the allegory they, and the yeah. metaphor yeah. to many kinds many of enemies. Kinds they of only mention the Germans once. And by name, when they were in that trawler right. with Harry Styles and the yeah, other right. soldier we don't know, and then right. the, f- the French soldier that we later find out is French, um, 
and they're hiding in the hull, hoping mm-hmm. to like float away once the sand the tide, tide comes, comes in, in, the tide comes in. And, and releases this trawler from the sand. And it turns out to be one of the most incredible scenes in, I think, the whole film. Mm-hmm. Um, so intense, so, so, so immersive. Um, but immersive I just, is Tawana's favorite word, by the way. It's my favorite word for this. Because this Immersion. film is totally immersive. Yeah. No, it is, yeah. Totally. You felt like you were in the, in the, in the film, and, and I want I want fucking audience to know yeah. if you can we see it in seventy millimeter, yeah. please see it in seventy millimeter. We unfortunately did not, but we are going back to yeah, see it in seventy millimeter because the very, there was only playing in two. Pla- if you're in New York City, it's mm. only playing in two places in seventy millimeter: um, the Museum of the Moving Image and Alamo Giraffe House in downtown Brooklyn. Well, it was playing in seventy at the East Village Theater too. Oh, was it? But the AC was broken oh. in the theater. Fuck that. I am no. not. It was like 80 you degrees. You might as well have been in the no, hull of a destroyer. It was, everyone in every... I know. That, you know what? I didn't even think about that. I didn't even think about that. That would be 4D now. That would have been 4D. The, the stress I would have been under while watching, watching the most stressful films in history. You might have had PTSD after I'm like, that. Yeah. That's... Yeah, no, definitely. Go see it in, I fucking, in 70 I bitched millimeter. out, dude. I'm sorry. It's all right. We'll, we'll go see it. We're going to go see it in Brooklyn. Yeah. At okay. the Alamo. Because this has to be rewatched. Yeah, Because does. we had our aspect ratio shrunk because of this. Yeah. And I just think that... It was that, a small screen. Yeah, it was Too a small screen. And I just think that Christopher Nolan and the DP, uh, his name is Hoyt Van Hoytema. He's Swedish. Really? Um, yeah. well, that DP is winning all the fucking awards. All the awards because one, he did The Fighter. He did Her. He did um, Interstellar. He did Spectra. He oh, did. Wow. He did a lot of great films. And and I think my one of my things, okay, so because I'm a photographer and cinematographer, all that good jazz, I'm always, always taken by the composition. And mm. one of the most amazing mm. shots in the film was when... The young man we met at the beginning of the film, whose name we never find out, um, the soldier, he then ends up on the beach. This is sort of in the beginning. Mm-hmm. And everyone's just waiting in lines to be taken off the beach. And one of the German planes comes by and starts dropping bombs. Oh, yeah. And now he is in the foreground. Mm-hmm. Super huge. Tight, right? Tight on the bottom left-hand corner of the face frame. Face is buried in the sand. Face is, is buried that, is in the shot? sand, yeah, hand yeah. above his head, and in the distance we see the soldiers yeah. sort of scatter a little bit. I know this shot. And then bomb one, boom, bomb two, boom. Now right beside this soldier is another guy. Mm-hmm. He's in the distance, but he looks really close because of the perspective of the shot. Mm-hmm. You're waiting for these bombs to hit, and you're hoping it doesn't hit this one guy you sort of like gained a, a, an affiliation with. Mm-hmm. The guy before him gets hit, bang, just explodes right in front of you. He like lifts up off lifts the ground, up right? Lifts up off the yeah, ground, yeah, yeah. all in focus at the same fucking time. Can <laughs> yeah. I tell you how brilliant this is? Yeah. You know, I mean, the great thing about that, and there's the analogy to that. To that same thing happened in in uh, the Planet of the Apes. The same thing oh, yeah. happened in the Planet of the Apes with the with the soldier who was saved by. Oh Caesar. yeah, yeah, yeah. Towards the same the thing end. happens. Towards but the it, end, yeah. And the beauty of that is that that was a good shot too. At yes, the end. it was because yeah. it, it was the same kind of thing. You didn't mm-hmm. know where that because you felt like something was coming, right? And we were all sitting on the edge of our seats, and it, and it happens again. But and that's right. the beauty of filmmaking because 
you're so invested in the characters that you glom onto and you right. and you think, well, this is going to be because and in these films, there are no heroes, especially yeah. in Dunkirk. There were no heroes in Dunkirk. No, there were no heroes. But in and the thing, and and what I loved about the beauty of it was that every actor played it like they were the only ones there. Yeah. Like it, in reality, as we were watching it, because we saw different perspectives of the film, like the, it didn't all come together mm. until the end of the film, right? Right. So if you really think about it, and that's how people's lives are. Yeah. You're only in your individual piece of your life. Yes. Right. But your individual piece of your life builds to a hold. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that's what we got in mm. Dunkirk. Right. That's a good analysis. You know what I mean? Because yeah, you know, it, when we look at our lives, we always think that it's just us. But no. there are so many other pieces that come together. Because this could not have happened without each of these people making these sacrifices. Right. From the civilians who brought their ships yeah, there was a to save these soldiers. To pull them off of you know the what I mean? Because that was the, the whole point of this film was that the, the civilians came and helped these soldiers when the destroyers well, were, were being destroyed. They were asked to go out and because they couldn't, they couldn't spare the destroyers, right. apparently. That, 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 that's like... You, you, I'm so glad you said that because that was a thing that I really loved that this film did, which was it showed how in war like that, right? Yeah. We're, we're used to seeing war portrayed as either like usually is this very kind of not organized per se, like but Black like Hawk a highly, Down. but like a highly controlled, right. coordinated. Mm-hmm. Right. That you know you, you're you're constantly cutting between shots of like commanders and bunkers. Right. To you know, dudes and in the field, strategy and all strategy, and we're going here, and we're going right, right. here. The the and I, I said this before, but like the the helplessness, the helplessness, and like the kind of these guys literally being adrift, literally and emotionally, yes. because it wasn't like they had their commanders yelling at them no. to get in line. Like you no. see at the beginning, he tries to walk up into the back of one of the lines, right? And they and he was just like, oh, this is only for like. Bombardiers, or right, right, right. He, like whatever his yeah, fusiliers, whatever, like whatever his, yeah, unit was, his unit was, and they just kept wandering. And, and you realize, like, just positive. like you said, it's like every character was just doing their part, mm-hmm. which yeah. was part of a larger thing. Yeah. But there wasn't an intense amount of organization. Right. It wasn't yeah. like these guys had constant direction and were constantly reassured. There wasn't any where they were going. There wasn't. And can I just add? I mean, I know we're adrift, I'm, you know? I'm just going off on this ah, whole composition terrifying. thing, but that's just because that's who I am and that's what I do. But it just, in, in terms of what you're referring yeah. to, there was this one, there was another shot where it was the three of them. It was like, um, it was like Harry Styles, the French guy, and the, the guy we yeah. met at the beginning. The English kid. And right, and it's this total perfect, like three and two shot. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's when we watched that guy walk into the sea. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was beautiful. It was cropped so well and positioned so lovely on how on how this is like this film just has a great use of background and foreground. I just thought like the scenes when the men were washing ashore where they were like, Oh, the tide's coming in and they were like, How do you know? And they were like, The bodies are washing ashore and we're like, Oh shit, that's that- fucked up. And like, that, right? that scene there as well nails the whole thing, na- nails the, the, you know, we're talking about the, the efficiency of the, the efficiency, the efficiency of storytelling yes. where they were like, it's, it's very matter of fact and right. it's, it's not every man for himself, but yeah. it's like they were in such a desperate situation yeah. that people are dying, but so that everyone doesn't die, you have to move on. And when yeah. you see those guys, brothers in arms, we're always used to this 
brainwashing of like right. no man left behind. Right. And there was Pull no conversation about it. Pull him in, bury him. There was no conversation about no, it. They just, when all these things would happen, they yeah. would just happen. They would and just then happen. these people would just keep going. We'll remember because the at the end of the off. day, <laughs> at the end of the day, in order to survive, right. yeah. you have to keep going. That was the point of these kinds of films. Yeah. Because right. you have to keep moving. Well, in point, point, in, point in reference, remember mm. there was this other part when they're sort of like, and this, you can't possibly yeah. spoil this film, so don't worry about yeah. any of these <laughs> no, examples time. because it yeah. is it is a watcher's paradise. You have to watch it um, yeah. to to interpret your own opinion about it. But there was this one part where they were showing the dock, and it was like various bodies on on the ground, and the boats were being um, the boats were leaving the shore. It was all the civilian boats had finally arrived. Mm-hmm. And um, they were leaving the shore. And we see this long take of the dock. Super long take of the dock, right? Mm-hmm. And Kenneth Branagh and the other uh, corporal or the commander, the colonel, yeah, yeah, yeah. is at the end. The, the Army and Navy guys. Mm-hmm. And way down in the distance, we see these guys. And then, so we're at the bottom, right at the base of this like long dock. And we see this guy just like wake up. You oh, that? Yeah, yeah, and it was like, yeah. I, said, I said, was he yeah. fucking asleep? Yeah. And never they just fucking left him? Like, because everyone was like, we're getting off this beach. Well, he might have been dead. You don't know. They don't well, they know. know they don't know anything. Sure. They just were, they like you guys were just saying. They were surviving. They were just surviving. Yeah. And it wasn't about any heroes. And it wasn't about trying to do this grand gesture. And you felt that kid's, t- how terrified he was for that split second. For that split second when he woke up. And nobody was there. Yeah. And then he, and then. The the commanders are like, come on, lad. Come on, private. Last last one, last one. I know I know we're all officers, but <laughs> right, come on. right. I know come we're all officers, here. right? But so come you know, on, there is a, there was the always that sense stay, of deference yeah. Yeah. to the officers, and I like I said, I appreciated that about the films, and it there was just so much going on in this movie, and it was so there were so many levels, and I it. want I want people to see it just for one the beauty of filmmaking and what. Absolutely. Christopher Nolan brings to it. But I want you to understand, because we, we, we heroize war mm-hmm. and the destruction of war, yeah. and we always talk about collateral damage. Yeah. But these are the people that would be collateral damaged at the end of the day. Yes. Yeah. All these people that we saw, we saw this film from their perspective. Yeah. So, because the these are the soldiers that could have come home or they could not have come home. So we really, I want people to watch it from the perspective of, well, this could happen to anybody. And if yeah. you have any... Well, from a human perspective. Right. If you have anybody in your family that ever served in the military, ever served in the military. I want you to think about, because they're not going to always talk about they're it. They're never going to talk about these, it, really. These are the kinds of people that would never talk they about it. They would never tell you that. And these soldiers were were saddened by the fact that they could not do more. Right. They were in a place they where had no they, 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 they had no control. They had no control. Of their it was random if they got killed. Right. Random. It was so random. And you could see And their the, bodies weren't coming home. Right. Yeah, and you could see the sadness home. in their eyes, even the ones that came home. Yeah. And that was a very pivotal scene in the film where, where Styles and the other guy, I wish I knew his name. They he, never, I don't think he's a great I don't think he's a name in the film. But I wish that other people would realize that this is the majority of the people that come home. Yeah. And even today, we yeah. still have the same situation happening. Yeah. And, and and that it's not about, 
oh, he was this great war hero and he did, you know, we, we're so caught up in this world we live in today. We're so caught up in these stories of heroes. Yeah. And I think about Game of Thrones and all these stories where you hear about people telling the stories of the great knight who fought this battle and did such yeah. and such. There's, there's soldiers that come home that don't have this kind of story. They yeah. just have this story about survival. And survival is important because that's that's the base of human nature. Yeah. You know, survival. And I think yeah. that and, and in reality... Well, did have a name. In reality, we live survival every day. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Each of us, we go to work, we come home, we survive every day in some form. And this story kind of tells that story, mm. I think. Well, his name in the film, the the... It's the guy you see on the poster and the guy who opens yeah. the film, and we sort of he's follow. He's kind of the main character. He's kind of the main character. He gets the most screen time, But I think. they don't really give him a name, and then I realized, they gave him a name, but I don't think we realized it, is Tommy. His name is Fionn Whitehead. Hmm. And there were several other guys. There, there, were this, there was the French soldier. Yeah. He's played by Damien well, he, Bonnard. He, he's, he's, just, he's a French soldier who puts on the uniform of a, a dead British soldier. A dead British right. soldier. Because so they so weren't letting the French on the bus. they weren't letting the French on the bus. That is that we didn't have to see that. We, don't, we no. only saw we him burying, saw the body, burying the body. But yeah. we didn't know until later what that was about. What that yeah. was about and why he didn't speak. And it's because they would know he was French. And, and there, like I said, that that is the beauty of the immigrant story of America. That is the beauty of the immigrant story mm. because that man also has value. That man has descendants. Those people are right. important to all of our history. That guy. Not is, just yeah. British and French history, no. but everybody's history. Well, that guy in particular, even though, okay, he was desperate as everyone was because Tommy, be, Tommy and. Um, Tommy and what Gibson, I think the other guy's name was. I think that's that same guy, Gibson. The 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 two guys that. Well, what was it? The French guy and Tommy that took Descri- that. Bar- describe the scene, please. Okay, and I will tell you who they were. Okay, here we go. The two that made it aboard the ship with the wounded soldier. Okay, so you got you got the disguised that, Frenchman. Yes, and that then was our, and then so the Tommy guy. and the and French soldier. Mm-hmm. Okay, Tommy. So, was his name Tommy? Is what it says. That's All his right. face. Okay. Um, yeah, Tommy and the French shoulder. Okay. So, I mean, I forget what I was saying. Um, anyway. Hold on, Vaughn, where are you going? Yeah, are you leaving? You just, <laughs> oh, he's just, just rolling on out. <laughs> Sorry, so we'll just, just pause the podcast while uh, Vaughn decides. <laughs> he rolled away from Please the... Please edit that out. I'm no, definitely not. we will not no edit that out. The points of podcasts are improv as it happens, yeah. no, if yeah. we're working like, for CBS, I really need to go maybe. to the bathroom right now, but I'm holding on to it. Right, I'm feel the desperation those guys felt. I'm trying to bring that into my That's analysis right, right you now. Know, we almost suffered. That, that, think about that. They had no food. They had no water. No. They Remember was, how much they, how when badly they were was going on the When he was going on the shit break is when we saw the body being buried. Yeah. No, no. The One of the parts that I like the most, and I got to say it, the civilized nature of yes. British folks yes. kills me. It Keep is calm and it, carry the fuck it on. It is like no other. It is <laughs> like okay. I will equate it to Southern life, to yeah. Southern bells in their highest of heights of hysteria. They mm-hmm. must always stay ladies. Mm-hmm. British were in the bottom of the destroyer yeah. and they locked the fucking door. And these motherfuckers are having toast. With jam. But, but see, jam and tea. And jam and but tea. Is that what they call it? Now, I thought that this. was amazing. Think I was about like, this. And what how... people don't understand, 
Southern culture. There's a lot of Southern culture that's based on British of course, culture. Of course. Because those same descendants culture. ended up coming here. Yes. Yeah. Those were the people that became the Southerners. Yes, those are the people so that became the Southerners. If you really Very think true. about it, it's that whole the the mannerisms and so all that's that why thing they, of what you're supposed to do. They have the same idea. They offered food to the people who were coming. Right. Whereas in, in Southern culture, we do the same thing. If you're coming to my house, if you're coming into this mm. situation, I'm going to offer you food and I'm going to offer you drink. Yeah, it's hot to eat. Yeah, it's hot but to eat the gym. nurses were like, come on, lads. Come on, lads. Right, because they wanted to come help. On. Have some and tea. And they died in the battle, tea. too. Have yeah. some toast. All those women died have in the battle, too. Have some tea and jam. Too. Have some tea and jam. And I was like, these motherfuckers eating tea and jam. Yeah. <laughs> and then the bottom of the destroyer is about to sink. Yeah. What What's happening? And they were just <laughs> delightfully drinking their tea. But they don't see that. But they remember... They didn't see themselves as, I'm going to die any no, second of the day. but to me, and what I was saying to you in the film is, I just kept saying to him, I would never be in the bow of any fucking ship. And that French guy was right. Yeah. I would stop being in the bows of ship. I'm in a war. Right. I'm not sailing to a direct target. I'm just hiding out, and I'm not damn sure I'm not hiding out in the bottom of no ship. Right. And they locked the fucking door on me. Right. And I'm just going to chill out and drink jam and eat, eat jam and drink tea. Um, I, I can't be that civilized right now. I need to go outside. I'm going to be on the deck. I might get hit by a bomb, but I right. really but need... I'm not going to die. I really need old. to be able to jump into the water. Yeah. Right. And well, I think we, we bring to it a different a different perspective. No, we, because there were a few people that had that same perspective. Right, but I think that we see the world in a different way. Right. They, they, they only know what their experiences were, and I think that we've seen... We've had to live... Like, we, we've learned this history. Right. So now that we, we live in a different place, I don't necessarily think soldiers would have reacted a certain Well, way. Harry Styles was an example of so, what soldiers were probably thinking because he kept saying to Tommy, um, what's wrong with your friend? And he looked I'm actually at gonna, the door. I'm actually going to pee my pants. I need to go take a quick break. Absolutely. You guys Do keep you talking. Think? I'll be like two Do minutes. Do you think? Um, so he don't was actually... About Tom Hardy. No worries. We're no heading worries. that we're, out. We're heading that. So hurry so we can join you. With this. But anyway, so he would say, like, what's wrong with your friend? What's wrong with your friend? And he's just like, oh, he's waiting outside on the deck. Because he, he also wanted to see. But he wanted, he wanted to, to see escape. What's gonna happen. Yes. And I, I, he wanted to escape. would not and, want to escape. And, and when that destroyer hit, he was like, okay, I'm out. Right. But then and he, even the soldier on the course. boat that they saved, that the... The civilians on the boat who saved the soldier, yeah. he wanted to escape also. He wanted to escape constantly. And he was one of the leaders. He was one of the, the leaders of the military. Yeah, he's like one of the commanders. He wanted to escape sword. too. Yeah. And so my thing is, that's the human condition. Yes. Nobody wants to die. No one wants and to I die. And I don't care how you paint yourself as a hero. Absolutely. Nobody wants to die in any situation. In any situation. And so... And nobody Any. necessarily wants to be the hero. You want to survive. Right. And so here is an example of what we saw as of people who wanted to survive. Right. And I'm, I can't be mad at them. Oh, I would not mad at them at all. They're not bad guys because they wanted to survive. No. Because at the end of the day, everybody wants to come home alive Everybody well. wants to come home. And so we saw it, examples it, of that in it, this film. It takes and they a didn't, brave person, though. Right. Yeah. And I think that, you know, to say, I can watch other people die right. as I survive. There is something to be said about that. We in America, we get preached upon about the heroism of, of everything. Oh, yeah. But I think there's something to be said about the person who says, "Well, I'm gonna survive this shit. 
I'm not going to die because everybody else is going to die. Right. But, you know, in reality, because there's nothing wrong with that. But in, in, the, in the God, the father, the, the father figure in the film, yeah. he said, this man has been through a lot of shit. And I don't know if he's ever going to be the same again. He said he will never be the same and again. And so that speaks volumes that speak about volumes. what you have to go through in a situation yeah, of the, war. Yeah, Mr. Dawson. Right. The father. What you have to go through in a situation of war to say that, okay, I'm going to just sit here. I'm not going to do anything. Right. I want to go back home. Right. And throughout the film, right. all he wanted to do was go to fuck back home. Right. He didn't want to go back to Dunkirk. He wanted to leave. Well, that was Cillian Murphy's character. Oh, uh, you're talking about Cillian Murphy now? Killian, I'm sorry. Thank you for Killian Murphy. He I did a great... I'm not mad at him. I'm not mad at I him. I would have been the same way. But see, I want to counter and say that Tommy was the one character who stood, and I think it takes a hell of a lot of balls and a set of bravery on you to be able to say, no, don't sacrifice this person. Like, he wanted to save this Frenchman. Don't sacrifice this person in terms of, like, what you're doing. Don't sacrifice him. I know we all want to survive. And they're like, okay, so you want to save him? When we put him up, you're next. But see, but that's what happens. That's, <laughs> that's what the, happens. Then once again, that's the human connection. Yes. You called yourself out by trying to save this motherfucker right here, yes. Alex. If I'm going to save <laughs> Alex... And I'm going to put my life on the line right. for Alex. Right. If I'm the next one called, i got to be willing to face that. Right. And that's what happens in these kinds of situations. Yes. So that's what I'm saying. We This film showed us all the, the different human conditions of the human perspective. Because you're going to have somebody in each camp of the game. Right. And, 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 and sadly, believe it or not, people, your friends are going to be the same ones. Be like, your well, friends are the you ones have to go. that push over you right. and walk over you. You got to go. It's a remember, strong connection for remember a person in that, that film, get you. Nobody was saving the poor soldier on the stretcher when they were jumping off that ship. Yeah, that guy was just left there. They yeah. were stepping over his they ass They were stepping over off. all of them. Right. And that's what so, I'm saying. But, you're but that's around. what happens in... War right. and in life it, it happens too. So this film and thank you, Christopher Nolan, for putting this film out there. If you have not seen Christopher Nolan's films, let's please start. Let's please start watching. Watch them, them all. I mean, there's from, so many. From Memento from to Memento Batman, to Batman. Watch yeah. them all because he does this thing in his movies where he shows you the human condition, the human condition, the human side of yeah, everything. Definitely. definitely, you're not has gonna a part. see. It's not going to always be pretty, no, it's not but always you're going to see it. But he shows you the reality right. of what the human condition is. Even in Batman, right? The he last this, one, the Dark Knight. He did the Knight, same thing. With he did Bane the same and thing. all that. He really just was like, was he that Dark Knight? He did the Knight? same thing. Was the last that was, he, he did Dark Knight. He did the he did same the thing Knight. with Bane because, and what it was and how Bane's story affected right. him. And, and Bane was Tom Hardy. Don Bane was Tom Hardy. also in All right. So let's segue that since we started with Tom Hardy, right? I, I love Tom, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, the most beautiful landing of a plane I've ever seen in film history. <laughs> it was so a good scene. marvelous the mm-hmm. way it it was shot, mm. the way his story arc was 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 introduced, and the, even the way it ends was just mm. really beautiful. And I absolutely love, and we said this already, but I absolutely love that it wasn't about the actor. It was about the character. And we don't see Tom Hardy's face until the very 
end of his story. Yeah. And it ends in this sort of beautiful orange, crimsonly yeah. like sunset. light yeah. sunset. There's a lot of color, play color in this film. Color temperatures so all amazing. around. So amazing. Comes out of this thing in in Tom Hardy fashion, right? And just stands there in all this glory and this beautiful, just. That's the only time we also see the German soldiers. It's just like this beautiful, like they were almost in silhouette or they shadow were silhouetted, yeah, almost with real soft focus. Right, and he was just standing there with this still reserved face on. Kind of job and, done, and, you know. And that's yeah. the thing about Tom Hardy as an actor, and I, I salute Tom Hardy all day because he is not one of those actors that want to be a star. Yeah. He wants to perform in a role, yes. and he becomes and the as actor. Dirty as he can he be. becomes the characters that he's playing. And he's not, you don't have to see him. Yes. He can be in all kind of costume, makeup, disguise, whatever it is. Tons, he doesn't care. He is just, I'm going to present this role for, for what it is. And that's what he does in this piece like he does with everything else. Yes. And I, I, By the I'm, by, I'm, if you like Tom Hardy, right. check out his show, right. Taboo. Right. Mm. Yeah, check out Taboo. Because if you really love Tom Hardy, he is killing it in and that. He is gritty and he is, he is Dirty he's one of those down-the-earth kind of British actors that yeah. doesn't get enough acknowledgement, but he doesn't give a fuck about acknowledgement. But he reminds me of Colin first. And he will say it. Like, like he comes he dirty. comes to award shows with his dog. Yeah. Like he's he's not that guy. He's who not that guy. Shit about it. He doesn't give a and shit. you know what? I respect. I feel that. like we could he could be at this podcast drinking with no yeah. problem right, with us. And we you need know, another accent because our American accents don't do it. Alex, right. is, yeah. Alex is the crown jewel yeah. Thank of you. our well, voices. I, mean, I I'm also just from the colonies. So I'm a peasant. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, you know. But, but I, I think that it's, there's ours. something to be said. <laughs> and we've watched a, a lot of it is if you listen to this podcast. Right. Throughout the weeks, you've you've heard a lot of character-driven episodes, yes. Because that's mm-hmm. important to us. Because I think that it's important to understand the it's part of the art of filmmaking. It's about the actors doing their jobs, the actors doing mm-hmm. and their I jobs. think that each of these films, and especially this this latest one, we we see where actors are just doing their job. We don't even know these motherfuckers' names. No, They're done. doing their jobs. Yeah. They're covered in prosthetic and makeup. Right. And they're doing their jobs as actors. Absolutely. And I think that's what's most important. And whether you have, you know, a war drama or some science fiction piece, right. what what lives today and what resonates with people is the fact that it touches you in a place because these actors are delivering on the human condition. Absolutely. And... Just on the um, going back to the actual like what Tom Hardy was doing, yes, and and focusing in on the 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 air the air battle sort of section, right? Of this. He was mm-hmm. in the air story. I really liked how um, I just really liked how they portrayed like how the fighter squadrons would kind of behave because they, yes. they had they had a wing of. Of a, so the British would always fly in threes. Okay. And there would always be three Spitfires, and they were kind of, yeah, sort of diamond formation. And then the Germans would traditionally either fly in pairs, um, or sometimes in the, at that time they were flying like by themselves, okay. like one plane at a time. Right. But it was really interesting because the British had less planes, but they would try to group them together so they'd be right. more effective, right? Um, and just the efficiency of language that they used, you know, yes. where these guys are like, you know, potentially about to die at any point. Like they get, they, they were flying low to yes. save fuel. Um, 
and because when you climb you have to use a lot more more gas yeah right? and they kept noting that yeah and um they get dropped in on the the, the german the me 109 of the Messerschmitts, which are those horrific dive bombers with the they literally had a siren that when they did their dive they would turn the siren on and make that like right. that big like whirring right. noise and that was to scare the shit out of the people on the ground it was like a psychological really? thing yeah yeah so what they would do is the, the germans like to fly high they would fly from the sun and they would drop down from the sun on top of the uh, like British fighter squadrons. Right. Uh, and it was just like part of their shtick, you know. Right. Um, and the, the way that we when, love Alex because he always gives us the I'm so the impressed by all your knowledge. Continue, please. <laughs> He's that history geek that we I all am, love. I definitely am. Um, mm-hmm. But it was so interesting how, you know, they get dropped in on. They, they're getting shot at. The planes are getting dinged. And then the guy's like, oh, he's on me. And then Tom Hardy's just like, I'm on him. You know, right. it's just this very kind of matter yeah, of fact. Like it's matter of fact. On him. And, and it's, it's very gentlemanly. It's very gentlemanly. Even the people yeah. on the ground or in the water yeah. knew, well, this no, is who this is. Right. They knew who was flying above them. There was and, no screaming. And that was very interesting to me. Yeah. I was like, well, you know, we, we, we couldn't live this way today. No. But I think that it was very interesting that it was a very gentlemanly war. Well, I feel like, no. Well, I guess maybe not. Because I was gonna say, I feel like like my only other source of understanding fighter pilots is Top Gun, and I was gonna say, well, no, oh, I feel like they were genuinely, oh, and then I'm thinking, no, the fuck they were not. Oh, they were God. fucking horrible. No, because when in in to add to your point, what I think is really interesting in in terms of what you're saying, mm-hmm. in terms of like their whole manner, is um, like when they shot down one of the German planes, mm-hmm. and it's sinking in the sea. Yeah, and he's like. Is he gone? And he's like, I haven't seen a shoot. And he's like, all right. Well, I think he's done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah. okay. Is he down? Yes. I mean, they're running no out shoot. of fuel. He's yeah. like, he's like, I'm, f-, he's like, I'm bailing out. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go down. By the way, you have 14, 14 gallons left. Yeah, he gives it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So sorry. So 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 Tom Hardy's fuel gauge gets busted very early on. Right. And they really pay this homage, and it's something that. Um, you know, if you ever see kind of like uh, any fighter plane or fighter pilot right. movies, they always have this thing. You have all the technology in your cockpit. I mean, it's, right. but it should always be human over hardware. And they still want to teach pilots and even soldiers about like the old school way of doing things. Right. You're not always going to have a GPS. You need to know how to navigate by the right. stars. Right, you need to know how to navigate by the stars. And so I just loved how his fuel gauge gets knocked out. Right. Um, he's not going to turn back because he can't no. see how much fuel he has. Right. He takes a thing of chalk right and he knows he goes he's like um he's like roger how much fuel do you have and he's like 50 gallons and he's like writing 50 and so he writes 50 right. on his panel and then you see him they fly and he's like we're about five minutes away we need to right. keep we'll have about 20 minutes of fuel to fight it's going right. to get it's, you know and he's like it's going to get hairy but we'll be able to stay in it you know right. and it's like we have five minutes of battle time and we'll return and so With it, it, it that is voice, so boom boom that boom, term, boom that even when i just crashing. loved it i just loved it and then they, they fly for 20 minutes right because I was geeking out hard on this, he looks at his clock right. and he's like, how much fuel, Roger? And he's like, 40 gallons. And then you can see him right 40. Right. He sees how long it took him to get there. Right. And he's like, 20 minutes of battle time. If it gets hairy, we'll still be good. Fight for right. five and then fly out. You right. know, and it's just so like, but it's, it's even less so language than that. that. It's even less. But that's yeah. the beauty of the fact that they were working together. But, and they're professionals. But his, but his professionals. Right, but his you know? like, his, his, it's not his co-pilot, but his fellow fighter his was wingman. just like his wingman was mm. just like, "All right, you know, I've been hit." I, I, and I, I have to believe that's where like, the term "wingman" comes right, from. Right, right. I, I, I agree. No, it, it is. That it is. is where the term comes from. Because there is no way 
it, you put you put your trust, your belief in this mm-hmm. other person. And the person you know knows you inside right. and out. What you're going to do, how you're going to react, yeah. how you how you react to to everything that will come your way. Right. And the person will will absolutely be your wingman. But it, it was just so interesting cuz he's like he's like, "All right, I've been hit in a minute. I'm going to bail out and or you've got 14 gallons. And the something. last thing he yeah. says before he crashes into the water is how much fuel he how has. How much right. fuel he had. Because he needs he to needs let him know. know. Listen, I'm your wingman. Goddamn motherfucking professionals. I'm a professional. Right. And, and, then, and, and I wish And I'm I not even going to say anything that. about how they go back. Right. Because I thought, like everyone else thought probably, okay, this is the end right. this for this that poor for wingman. Mm-hmm. But then they cycle back to the wingman, which leads us to the civilian story. And the whole beautiful scene of That's how what of happens to I don't even want to tell you what you see it the beautiful yeah. scene of what happens to the wingman mm. is amazing because yeah. you're it's it's full of suspense alright guys and, I want you to know as listeners I want you to know we're actually going to all see this together again yeah. because we, we I want us all in the same Please, room let's, let's plan together. this we are turn, we're we all the way turned on we this. are going to see it again in the room it's definitely and, and, and just to say from my perspective I recommend this movie to everybody I want you to see it because I want you to understand just the master the masterfulness of filmmaking and how you can turn these stories there was not a lot of dialogue in this film not a lot you didn't have to have all of that but you saw so much going on. We're so empowered by this movie. Yeah. And and Planet Apes. I'm not taking anything from Planet Apes because I love both of these films and I want you to see both of them for the same thing because you you got a lot of the human condition in these films and I want you to see it. I want you to understand your history. I want you to understand the history of I have to acknowledge my brothers and sisters from... World War Two. <laughs> thank you, Alex, for reminding me that. But I have to celebrate them because we would not all be here without all of them. A lot of and so I want everybody to know that go see these movies, Planet of the Apes and Dunkirk, because and we're gonna all see this together again. Absolutely, I can't wait because I've yet to be to the Alamo. Oh, these oh, bastards! Gotta go. These bastards go. left me last time. We got I don't know if we Alamo. left you. I think it was just you were kind of you big dogged us. You were kind I of big dogged us. I had some busyness. You Circumstance. Like, you they left me but anyway. We're gonna but see. Okay. This, we're we'll gonna go see again. this movie again, <laughs> yeah. and I recommend all of you out there to see it because I think it was just a, a master experience master, of master filmmaking class. and sound, visuals, right. yeah. music. Everything came together in this film. Acting. Harry Styles, please fuck the albums. Keep <laughs> acting. Fuck the albums. Keep acting. Fuck, fuck it. 1D, baby. Yeah. Fuck it. Fuck it, 1D. Just keep acting. Tom Hardy, we love you. Keep I can't wait for going. Taboo Season 2. Thank you. Keep acting. Fuck it. All right, all right. So how about, let's do some some, some final roundups. That and was then, his final roundup. No, I, I was really saying, Tawana. <laughs> for you Tawana, and I. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Tawana, Tawana, your final thoughts. My final thoughts are... If you want to see a film that's, and I'm going to say it, totally immersive and will completely sink you into this and you will feel like you spent your money on a a well-crafted piece of art, please go see Dunkirk. 
I will admit, I was not excited about seeing this film. But Thank I you, grown you, to be excited because of Alex and Alex's descriptions of what was going to occur. Hashtag thirsty for Nolan. Hashtag thirsty for Nolan is right. So I will say this. Based on, first of all, I do like Christopher Nolan as a, as a filmmaker. And I'm going to say filmmaker because he is an all-around genius. I think this man is synonymous with sound. Uh, cry, it was synonymous with sound, mood, tone, uh, the psychology of films, his composition is amazing, um, his choice of, of cinematographers is amazing, his writing skills are amazing, and his choice of character-driven stories are amazing. I think that all around this film is completely brilliant and fires on all cylinders, as they say. Is that the... Is that the That's it. Fire fires on yeah. all cylinders. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think that uh, this is worth your money. Please go out and support and see it. You, Matter of fact, you need to see it. This man purposely crafted this to be seen on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Please mm-hmm. go. You will not be disappointed. 70 millimeter, baby. If you live in if you, places that can't give yeah, me 70 if millimeter, you can live in places that screen the 70 millimeter, please pay the extra money to go see it. If not... Go see it anyway. I mean, it's not like seeing film on a screen. It is how it is intended to be. Don't wait and for this HBO. Is Just what, go see it. This is what we work hard to do to show films in this scale. And I really think that it is an absolute necessity that you see this in the film. Awesome. Yeah, go. So my final thought on this, I mean, I think everyone sort of here in agreement is a, a fantastic film and, and you all should see it. I think I do want to caveat um, that... It may not be a film for everyone, to be honest with you, because you may not. it's um, leave it's, your girlfriend at home if she's not into this. Yeah, I think and, and no, I, no, bring and her I, ass to the yeah. film. She needs to learn some about her history. But bring her ass she to may, the film. Even if she needs to learn some about her history, she it, may not be. It into can't it. be about girl chick movies. But Fuck that. No, no, no. Go it's to not a about movie girl to see chick movies. movies. Sorry, guys. This was this was life. my this was my final. Sorry, you've already you spent ninety minutes shouting into the mic. It's Vaughn. I'm sorry. It's all Vaughn. I don't. I don't. I don't believe in a girl movie, boy movie. Vaughn is halfway down this American Distillery Company. If your ass, if your ass has a brain in your head, and women have brains in their heads too, and there's smart women in the world, so women can go see this movie too. Okay, first of all. First of all, wasn't saying there. leave your girlfriend at home. <laughs> I never said I wasn't that. saying leave your freaking girlfriend at home. Leave okay, your Okay, I said it. You leave. said leave your girlfriend at home. If she's Fuck not that. capable of if understanding that bitch this. If she's got a brain in if, her head, <laughs> she can understand a movie. Yeah. Or if your boy is only interested in WWE, right. you know, then maybe he Fuck you know, him too cuz yeah, all him he's too. about is WWE. Fuck him. Yeah. He's smart enough to Apparently know what Vaughn this wants about. to fuck okay. everyone. Okay. Fuck that. And okay. All right, all right, all right. So I've, I've, I've triggered Vaughn. I've triggered Vaughn. I'm going to try and finish that. I don't like dumb people. I have a problem. I know, I know. Give him a second. I, <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead, Alex. I only say that because it's not... Um, there's, there's lots of great films that yes. will still tell wider stories. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's anything against... Someone just might want something... You know, if, if, it's... A film with minimal dialogue is not for everyone. I need you to just stop. I need you to. I need you to. I'm focused on you. Just take a seat. (laughs) I need you to take a knee, Vaughn. I need you to take a knee. Take a knee. I need you to take a knee. Kaopete. All right. (laughs) Take a knee. Kaepernick, you're in the national anthem, my bro. Seriously. Just just do a Kaepernick. All right. Just (laughs) give me. Do the Kaepernick. Do the Kaepernick, dude. All right. (laughs) 
No, my only point is so I'm just I'm just saying that is that it's not it's not a traditional film. We're all movie we're all movie buffs. Yes. And so we're just thirsty for this shit. Yes. I'm just saying when when you go into it, I don't want someone to be I don't want someone to see this film expecting it to completely blow them away because they love the craft of filmmaking and then be like, Oh my god, like no one really talked and oh there was so just be aware that it's gonna be a film which walks you through visual storytelling, okay? And and have that open mind to it and then really take the time to just appreciate that they're trying to communicate the story he's trying to tell is emptiness, loneliness, desperation, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that these are all individuals with a much larger scale, a much larger conflict that they have no control over. And and that's what really punches through on this, and that's why this is such a powerful piece of cinema, and it looks beautiful, and it's so and it's so impactful, um, and I really loved probably one of my favorite things is is at the end of the film, and this is how I'm going to round this out, is when the guys are on the train, they survived, yes. spoiler alert, but whatever, um, and they get back and they and they got given the paper by a kid threw them paper through the window of the train, right. um, and they're reading about the, you know the survival of Dunkirk. Well, they, you know that it was a great defeat, but it was still kind of a victory snatched from the claws of it. And they're yes. reading the speech that Churchill gave, and that's why I said before how important this event was in British history because it was out of that. That's when Churchill, when the when the British people were kind of at their lowest, thinking, "Oh my God, the Nazis are just a moment right. away. They're just one boat away." Right. Um, that's when Churchill delivered one of his most famous speeches, which is, "You know, we'll fight them on the beaches. We'll fight them in the air. We will yeah. never surrender." You know, and I think that was sort of summed up by this. And and you you get delivered that speech um, by the soldier just reading it in the paper. Right. You know, they didn't put. They, just, they didn't put it in some big... You, know, you didn't see Churchill delivering it to thousands no, of people. Didn't. It was like that soldier reading about... That's how he learned about that famous, famous speech. Yes. And that personified the way the film is made, which is how these are just individuals stuck in this bigger thing. And it's from the little... It's from the guy who could die randomly by a torpedo's right. perspective, you know? Um, so that's what I loved about this film. That's why you should go and see it. Um, and I'm just really glad that this story was able to be told. Right. I'm very glad that we got to see it. Um, so as a final thing here as well, I know we've got to talk about the website, iTunes, and Stitcher. i got yes. a note here to bring that up. So Yes. So we're working on that. We're definitely going to have a conversation about it because we want to join iTunes and Stitcher, maybe even Google Google Play. And um, Google, Google Music has their own podcast section. Cool. Um, and we'll see about that because we know that we need to reach you guys more than just on SoundCloud. But we needed to see how this worked out. And I want to hear some of your thoughts and, and views about movies and things that you're seeing out there. Yeah, please. What you're looking for, what you want us to see. Right. Because we're here for you. So let's hey, do if this. You, if you don't agree with us, please even say that. Like, oh, I don't agree. And I don't, I don't believe in these motherfuckers who can't go to see a movie because it's a boy movie or a girl movie. No, I don't Fuck this that. ginger specific movie shit. All right, easy. Go see a guy. <laughs> You know, if I can pay fucking sixteen dollars for a goddamn movie in New York, you can go see a movie at six bucks wherever the fuck you live in middle America. (laughs) I'm gonna take this away from you. 
and go see a movie. Because I think this is enough for you. I'm going to say all that. That's all I got to say. But there is no gender-specific movies. Go see a goddamn yes, movie. Yes, we know it's not gender-specific. It's personality-specific. Just go see a goddamn movie. People work hard for these movies, We do y'all. work hard for these movies. They, and these I think things don't just happen. Should There's a lot of work it. that's happening behind the scenes. So please just go see a movie. And I don't give a shit about Hollywood. Go see the movie the way you want to see it. Yes. And, and experience it the way you want to see it and talk about it. Because Tell your friends about yes, it. Please. Make them find that shit. If they have to stream that shit online <laughs> or whatever, right. go see the movie. It's very important. All right. All right. Movies make us who we are. <laughs> anyway, so we'll wrap it up. And we're going to say two things. Episode 9, we will be reviewing... Atomic Blonde. And Valerian. Yes. And if you have any opinions about anything Vaughn has griped about today, (laughs) you can find us on every social media context you can find us. Bring it. Tell me what you feel. IG. Spicy Vaughn. Twitter. That's right. And SoundCloud is where you can find us. Facebook, we are Beer Bourbon in a Movie. IG, we are Beer Bourbon in a Movie. And Twitter, we are beer bourbon and the mov and if you want to make an make a comment or make an announcement or anything you can always hashtag us at hashtag bbm podcast so thank you so much for joining us come see back you next time. see you next time